In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, you all look very, very nice. You look uh, good in your red. I feel like I'm at an Ole Miss game. Uh, it makes my wife happy. But you look beautiful. Today is Pentecost, and it, today marks the beginning of a new season. A new season. We are 50 days after the resurrection, and more than just a chance for us to uh, march around the church and wear pretty red vestments, Pentecost is, it ranks after Easter as the second greatest festival day in the church year. It's Easter and then Pentecost. Pentecost celebrates the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this is why uh, John Stott says this is why it is so important. He says, without the Holy Spirit, without Pentecost, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the Spirit is dead. We're going to come back to this quote in a little bit at the, end of the, at the end of the sermon. But for now, Pentecost is a new season of life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the word Pentecost Day, it really just means 50, 50 days. So it was <clears throat> the Greek name for Shavuot, which was the Jewish festival of weeks. fell 50 days after Passover and marked the end of the grain season. Over time, it became uh, a celebration of God giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. But in Jesus' hands, and after, in, in the wake of his ministry, Pentecost becomes a celebration of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so today, I want to do two things together. I want us first to look at a thread that runs through all three of our readings for the day. And then secondly, ask what this might mean for us as a family at St. Bartholomew's. So first the thread, and then a question about what it might mean for us. So the thread, and the thread has three uh, strands, I suppose, three strands. First, Genesis 11. Genesis 11 is a familiar story. It's the Tower of Babel, where the whole earth has a common language. They set about really what was then the greatest public works project of all time. They set about to build, uh, it, it says that they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. <clears throat> and let us make a name for ourselves. Uh, when my family moved to Nashville in 2017, the, the, some members of the youth group had made signs for my kids to find in their new rooms when they got to their new house. And more than one of those signs featured the, uh, the skyline of Nashville. And the most striking feature was the Batman building. So the, the AT&T building with its 617-foot high spires, those twin spires that make it look like the top of, of Batman's mask or hat, whatever that thing is he wears. Um, Mesopotamian cities like Babel 
were also dominated by a singular edifice. It was called the ziggurat. Ziggurat, more than, less a tower, it was more a set of uh, increasingly higher planes, almost like uh, an Egyptian pyramid that would reach into the sky. Derek Kidner, his little um, introduction and commentary to Genesis, says that the primeval history, that's the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the primeval history reaches its fruitless climax as man, conscious of new abilities, prepares to glorify and fortify himself by collective effort and build a tower to God. To fortify and exalt himself by collective effort, build a tower to God. So the first strand of the thread that runs through our readings is this human desire to glorify ourselves. Or put it in another way, to climb up to God, to bring God down to us. From Adam and Eve to Babylon the Great in Revelation, humans do this. We, just, we exalt ourselves, and the climax of that desire is a monument or a city or a tower to make us know that we matter, that we are important, to climb to the heavens and bring God down to us. So as the story goes, God confused the people's language, and then they scattered over the face of the earth. So when we leave them, We leave the first strand of the reading in Genesis 11. We leave them scattered and confused, divided and unable to understand each other. That's the first thread. So the second strand of the thread is in Acts 2. And Acts 2 reverses Genesis 11. In Acts on Pentecost, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind that filled the whole house. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. That's a pretty neat trick. But the real miracle is what happened next. Not that they all spoke in different languages, but that people from all of the places, uh, all the places that Beth had to read today, uh, that is the worst reading in all of the church year. I'm pretty sure Beth had somebody else scheduled to read that. And then they tried this morning and they just didn't show up. I, I think like those, you know, some of those places aren't even words, I think. But all of people from all of those places heard the disciples speaking in their language. That was the miracle. St. Peter explains that the disciples weren't drunk, but that Joel's prophecy was being fulfilled. That in the last days, God said, it will be that I will pour out my flesh, my my spirit on all flesh. God is bursting the old wineskins of their ancient religion and spreading it out across the face of the earth. That's the second strand of the thread. That people divided as a result of our sinful desire to exalt ourselves now find that we are unified by the same Holy Spirit of God. Two, two strands. And then finally, the last strand is from John's Gospel. Notice what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. 
So the Holy Spirit's primary role is not to make us speak in other languages. There's, a, there's an entire denomination of Pentecostalism that's sort of based on this, this understanding and this misunderstanding of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's primary role is to point us at Jesus. To point us to Jesus. So do you see the thread? That God ends our efforts to climb up by himself coming down to us in the person of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit unites us, fills us, and then empowers us to go out and be witnesses in the world. The whole thread is tied to Jesus. The whole thread is tied to Jesus. So, the first point was the thread. The last point is the question. What might this mean for us in our community at St. Bartholomew's? And so to make my point, I want to read Stott's quote again. So pay attention to it this time because I'm going to pull out words. Stott says, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. As the body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. So very briefly, I'm going to pull out five aspects of what I believe is new life here in our church, what this might mean, life in the Spirit. If uh, We're entering not just a new liturgical season, we're entering a new season as a parish family. So what are the aspects of this season? First of all, the first aspect is discipleship. And four months ago, about four months ago, we launched 12 life groups or house groups. Some churches would call them discipleship groups. And this fall, we're changing the structure of our Sunday morning so that we can create space and new opportunities for all of us, from the smallest to the oldest, to be involved in Christian formation, learning so that we can be better disciples. Our staff planning retreat this week, I framed our project like this. I said, we are, through the power of the Spirit, we are a community that thinks with the mind of Jesus, that loves with the heart of Jesus, and serves with the hands of Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, St. Bartholomew's is a community that thinks with the mind of Jesus, so we need to think. We love with the heart of Jesus, and then we serve with the hands of Jesus. So the first aspect is a deepening of discipleship. Second aspect of this new life is um, life itself. Uh, the Ezekiel challenge that we just had grew out of the vestry's vision for this new life that was uh, starting to spring up in different places around our parish. And together we raised over $150,000 to invest, to pour into that life, to maintain and even improve our facilities, the places where that life grows, to enhance our programs like our adult formation, like uh, our South Sudanese Uh, partnership like missions as the channels that our growth runs through and then to support our staff who help us to grow so forgot the first one discipleship life the third aspect is understanding 
I believe, I believe that if this is to be a new season of life in the Spirit in this church, that we must not just understand God more deeply and better, we must understand each other. So we had um, an inaugural table talk, a chance for us to sit around uh, a table and talk, and we have uh, thus the name, Table Talk. So we, uh, we have two more that are planned throughout this year where we are able to sit and listen to each other, just listen to each other about some fairly complex and difficult issues, and then to learn mainly that what holds us together is not our conscription to a set of doctrines. It is our possession of one Holy Spirit. That's what holds us together. So, forgot the first one again. Discipleship. Life. Understanding. Number four is fellowship. So time together is a precious commodity here at St. B's, and we are doubling down on that commitment by this fall, creating more life groups, by this summer schedule where we all worship together as a big family, by the celebrations like the one that we have after the Mass today. And we are worshiping more together as a family, with our children in here with us. And I know that is a big change. It requires commitment from each of us, whether you have a child or not. It requires commitment from all of us. Uh, but I was reminded uh, this week by a mom I was having a conversation with, and she said that uh, the chaos of kids running around, everyone lending a hand to everyone else, failure and forgiveness and fun, all of that, she said that is what a family looks like. I want to get t-shirts with that on it. That is what a family looks like. And then finally, Christ-likeness and effective witness. Jesus said that the Spirit would fall on His disciples and they would have power to be witnesses in every corner of their world. That promise is our promise. St. Bartholomew's is a place where we find grace that then makes us more like Christ and sends us, propels us out as witnesses in every corner of our world, you could say, you could say that we leave a thread behind us, a thread that's tied to Jesus to lead people home. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, happy feast day and welcome to a new season. Amen.